Let's officially call episode 117 the first Real Kipper at Noon playoff edition show in 2021. I'm Nick Kiprios. It's going to be a fun start to this week. How do I know that? It was a fun start to the weekend. Weather's starting to get good in Ontario. Fortunately, not many of us still can go outside past our homes to enjoy it. So what do we do? We just sit back. We open up a couple of little Buddhas and we start watching the NHL playoffs. And while we are sitting at home, others aren't. So before we bring in our our good friend of the show, Darren Pang, to kind of break down a lot of things, let's hunt down Willie Nelson who is on the road again. Doug McClain, since the inception of the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, never before have they met in the playoffs. Instead of you sitting at home watching it, you decide to jump in your RV. What's up with that? On the road again. On the road I just again. can't wait to get on the road <laughs> again. Road again. Yep, so, I'm on the road, and I'm just uh, the start of about uh, probably a 3,000-mile trip. Uh, so we're loaded down, we're packed up. Uh, you know, we, we, we were light on the wine this trip. We only brought 24 bottles, so we're, we're okay. But anyway, no, we're, we're heading tonight to Gainesville, Florida, which is only 300 miles from here, and we try to have a rule three only 300 miles a day we drive so that we can get there and relax and hike and do what we have to do, you know? That's, uh, that's my wife's neck of the woods there. She's a yes. gator girl. Yes, I knew that. I knew that. Do they have funky uh, little Buddha there? Not yet. We're working okay. on it. We're okay. working on it. So are you able to... Uh, walk and chew gum at the same time are you able to focus on on driving this rv and yet following the panthers and the lightning because that was uh that was epic in game one well it was a fun game to watch and i it sort of i sort of chuckled because it brings back so many memories you know and I, especially when i saw a couple of rats go on the ice and and then the the commentators talking about the the 96 team but Look, it was, there was excitement in the building last night. It was a heck of a hockey game. After watching, you know, the Islanders game with Pittsburgh, an exciting game, and then you go from there to the second game. I mean, ex- exciting games with Vegas and Minnesota, which, again, was unbelievable goal. Then to, then to end the night with that, I was just too exhausted to watch Calgary-Vancouver later, but I did <laughs> watch those first three, and I'll tell you what. That that Florida game was special, and it, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, they've got a, a, they're 15 million over the cap, and who cares? It's just great hockey. Did you see enough out of your Florida Panthers? Yes, your Florida Panthers, that they will, in fact, push Tampa or beat them, knock them off their. Their high horse with Listen, the Stanley Cup. You know what? Bark, everything goes through Barkov and Uberdome. Everything. And, and Barkov, I mean, Nick, just watching him last night, this guy is a, is a special, special talent. And, you know, and then you see his line with Duclair, 
or Hagee, and you're thinking, is that a good enough first line? But he, 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 everything goes through him. Now, Tampa is going to have to deal with this guy. On the power play, he's spectacular. Five on five, he's spectacular. They're going to have to deal with him. But Brodsky looked like he was dialed in last night, and then he gives up five goals. You know, I know they were, they were special talent goals, but he still gave up five. So I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. If, I mean, I think it's going to be a hell of a series. I really do, but I think Tampa Bay wins it. Did you, uh, did you pack the extra spare? The last time we spoke, like in terms of uh, you traveling, I think you ended up with a flat, some town that had tumbleweeds rolling. New Mexico, uh, New Mexico is where we had the flat tire. And, and the guy at that time was uh, this hillbilly working on my tire was terrific. He did an unbelievable job. And then he told me he didn't like Trudeau and he didn't like the Leafs. And, uh, you know, but there's no spares on these things. When you get a flat, you, you're, you got to work at it, you know, <laughs> so, you know, you just deal with it and you got to hobble into a, or use uh, roadside assistance. So, you know what? It's but it's okay. Everything's fine. We're cruising along here. We're gonna get on the turnpike here shortly. The Florida Turnpike. It'll calm down a little off 95, and then, you know, I just set it at 65 to 70, and you know, we got a heavy load. I mean, we're going we're going to the cottage now for four and a half months, so we got a lot of stuff we had to bring. You got to bring summer clothes. You got to bring fall clothes. You know, you got a lot of baggage, man. So. Between the two of you, and I'm talking about your lovely wife, Jill, if, uh, if this scenario played out like one of Eugene Melnick's uh, boat rides, <laughs> are, you, are you Eugene or are you the captain? Where's Jill on this? <laughs> uh, Jill's, Jill's the captain, and I'm the rear admiral. <laughs> That's I don't I think am. you Jill stand any chance of speaking to Jill like Eugene spoke to the captain. No, no, there's not a snowball's chance of that. And we'll just, you know, we're going to be locked in for two weeks here traveling until we get to PEI. So it's a special time, you know, to bond with your, your loved ones. You know, you just sort of enjoy the company and cruise along. And, All right. You know. Stay safe. Okay, we're gonna we're, we're gonna check in with you um, on occasion. Keep your uh, eyes right. on the road. And listen, thank Panger for filling in for me. I really appreciate it. Well, <laughs> you know what? When 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 you're gone, we bring in people, quite frankly, that are better. I, I don't right. want I don't I want know. Uh, I know I know, I know. I that know. can take it to another level. Well, it's, you know, and, and I think that's good. But I, you know, I think these national TV guys, I mean, to me, you know, they're, they, they think they're better, but they're just fair, you know? <laughs> we were going to get Alan May, but I didn't want you to fall asleep uh, behind the wheel or have Jill fall asleep <laughs> behind the wheel, so had to be careful. <laughs> All right, Max, Excited. safe okay, travels. boys, have fun, guys. Say hi to Banger. Doug McClain playing the role of Willie Nelson, taking it on the road again. Oh gosh, something tells me we're going to hear some uh, some pretty amazing stories on that journey uh, in the next few weeks. But he'll get settled in, eventually making his way up to PEI, lovely PEI, 
Uh, he'll have his thoughts on every series of every game, and we'll check on him as often as we can. In the meantime, like Max said, and I said, you got to take it to another level. You go to guys that are great in the business, and, and we're going to go to Darren Pang uh, momentarily. Uh, Jordan, you working on that? Yeah, so we're going to put a little bit of a break on the screen for about 30 seconds to a minute. We're going to get Darren in, and we will be right, right. back. back here on the real kipper at noon show if you're a first time watcher subscribe we're going to be here throughout the playoffs it's a fun place to be we just heard from doug mcclain playing the role of willie nelson taking it on the road again but what <laughs> we like to do is take it to another level we heard mac mac doesn't like the national guys replacing him on this show feels like uh he's just uh deep down we know he's a little insecure panger that's all there is to it it's okay. It happens with the best of us. I don't know. He seems like he's on the right track right now, you know, cross country, RVing. Um, sounds like a lot of fun to me, to be quite honest with you. So if he wants to sit in my seat, he can go right ahead. I would, <laughs> I would have my golf clubs in tow and I would just check mark every single track that I've never played before. So, oh, I, gosh. 
I'd love uh, that too. I can't even play the track that's 30 seconds from my house right now here in Ontario, Panger. We are sour. You should be sour. It's, it's, I've not stopped since March the 12th when they did it. They, they let us walk. They let us be separated. Everything, you know, everything worked out well. We took precautions, but I don't know. It's, it's like walking our dog in the park. I was allowed to walk my dog in the park. Yeah. I might as well have my golf club with me and swing it a little bit. Ah, speaking of swinging, man, we swung right into the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2021. Before we get into anything specific, it's a, it's a constant theme, Panger, where we're watching the best hockey in that first round, and no exceptions to the start of of the first four games that we've watched. What is it about the first round that's that's really turned this NHL Stanley Cup into kind of a a must see TV? Early, though, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we can ever carry that momentum to a Stanley Cup final, but there's something special about that first round right now. Well, there is. Um, I, I think it's the raw energy, Kipper. I think it's the raw enthusiasm and the fact that, uh, you know, you're, I mean, you're just playing game one, the anticipation. Your body's, more times than not, you're, you're, you're more fresh. And the bottom team thinks they can beat the, the top team. And, and once you continue on, Kipper, as you well know, I mean, you end up playing the teams that are a little bit closer um, unless there's been an upset here or there that results in an eight going up there and, and climbing like maybe Minnesota did in, in 91. And I know there's more examples. The Los Angeles Kings uh, back when Daryl Sutter took over and they end up going from eighth spot and then winning because they were rolling. But I just love the sheer enthusiasm of it all. And last night's game, I mean, Tampa Bay and Florida, I think everybody's anticipated, you know, a great matchup in, in the state of Florida. And it's never happened before. And at the end of the season you could see that the Florida Panthers had had some bite had some you know had something there going so I I I think that's why it was such an anticipated game last night Kipper yeah and I I got this theory that society now is is much different of course as we know but we're programmed differently now Panger to to multitask beyond belief and it's just not you know the next generation coming up but now us we've kind of built into that we're we're where things, mul- multiple of things can happen around us and we find a way to kind of manage all of it. And it just seems like that first round, it's the chaos of, of trying to follow every team and putting a little bit of energy here and then watching here and then balancing out a one, a three, a, a, a seven o'clock start, whatever the case is. And it's just that, that craziness that I think we lack. Not much different than a March Madness in that in those first few games where you're just trying to absorb it all, figure out your picks, how they're doing, you know, yeah, if yeah. you can move some of them, if some of them are hurt. But <laughs> it is it is the craziness and the chaos I think that people love most about the first round. I, I do agree with you there. I mean, you know, yesterday was a, a good example of having those staggered times. And, and you know, so far we've seen every game. Uh, I mean, the game's just so close. Uh, they're going into overtime or right at the very end. And and so I certainly think that, uh, you know, when I look at all of that, I, I look at the way that teams get prepared to play, the way that teams, um, you know, I, I don't know, the sheer emotion and raw energy and physicality of everything is what's really impressive. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not going to stop, huh, Kipper? No. I mean, it's just going to keep continuing. Like, it's it's just... You know, we're going to we're going to have some series that are maybe going to end a little bit more abruptly and you're disappointed and then bang, you're, you're going to catch on to another series and you're going to lock onto it and it's going to be phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm greatly looking forward to it because me personally, we're starting up tonight in Colorado. It's a nine o'clock local start for us. That's very late. 
you know, that's nine o'clock central time, 10 o'clock Eastern standard time for our game. And that's, that's a mitful for people to handle, but still, as the day goes on, you get more excited about the fact that the puck's going to drop and you know, your playoff series is going to start. Okay. We're going to tee up that, that series. No question about that, but I'd, I'd like to start with what I'm calling the battle of the beach. You like it? I love it. I think it's great. Tampa versus I mean, Florida. Except, um, that, except that the Panthers are in sunrise. But but you're close, though, on that geographically. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> How far is South Beach? 45 They should be in Fort minutes. Lauderdale, probably. That would be, yeah. They'll end up somewhere really yeah. close to the beach uh, long yeah. term. But that's that's a topic for another day. In terms of style of play, Panger, okay? There's so many that still question what should be called, what shouldn't. Uh, it's... It's not tight enough. <laughs> officials, officials let things get out of hand. But oh. the, the style of play that we saw between Tampa and, and Florida must be picture perfect for the National Hockey League today because it is no question the most talked about series or mm-hmm. uh, at least game one. Yeah, And um, not to take anything away from any other series, but this one stood the, the highest for the level of play, yeah. the passion, the emotion, and most importantly, in my opinion, the physicality. Were was, you okay with everything that you saw, including um, the way it was officiated? Um, I thought it was, you know, I, I thought, at, I mean, I thought it was enthusiastically reckless. You know, I thought I was, I was, I was surprised because still with the standard of officiating through the regular season, we know that it gets, it gets harder. The players that are, are strong on their sticks. The players that win stick battles, uh, instead of at the beginning of October, November, December, where they're going to call uh, somehow a hook when a player lifts up a stick in a good spot or, or is strong on a stick and he's firm on it, uh, which you admire in a player, and that's what that's how you win championships. Still in the first round, I think the referees still try to corral it, and they, and they still try to bring it back. But I don't think there was any way of doing that in last night's game. I, j- I just think it was just with reckless abandon. You know, I didn't like the Sam. I didn't like Sam Bennett's hit. Uh, you know that 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 one in particular is five minute in a major five five in a game. I thought I thought it should have been a. I thought right off the hop. I thought he went an incredible distance with enough speed, um, and that could have been a real dangerous. That could have been a real bad injury right there. And so I, I agree that some players put themselves in a in a in a bad position facing the yeah. boards, almost luring players in to shove them, and then they. They may be not exaggerated, but you go in face first, but you can still use your hands to protect yourself. But Kipper, he went a long distance yeah. on that one, and that I, could have I don't... been a bad one. So I, I didn't like that hit, but I like I like all the battles. You know me. Yeah. During the course of a regular season, I don't like even when a player leans on a player's stick and that player's stick breaks. Maybe that player blocked the shot earlier in the sequence and it had a weak point on the stick. Like I think everything's got to be – uh, evaluated separately, not just one black and white situation where, oh, that stick broke, that's a slashing penalty. Because I don't think that's correct, especially with the way these sticks are are made and how easily they can fracture. But uh, but overall, other than really that play, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things that maybe the officials will tighten up on around the, you know, around the net, some of those scrums. Maybe you could take them down early. You know, maybe you can halt some of that, as, as you well know, because you were one of those guys that went in front of the net and referees will give you one warning and then what, bang. Hey, next time you come in there, Kipper, you're getting the penalty. You know, so maybe they can balance out some of those scrums a little bit. But all in all, I thought it was incredibly entertaining. And and uh, there's a lot of things that I love about hockey, and that and that's uh, certainly in Game One in the Panther Lightning game. 
Seriously. Three things in life you can always count on, death, taxes, and a little controversy uh, during a Stanley Cup playoff run. And yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of the, the Bennett hit. That one could have easily been called a, a five in a game. Yeah. The other one was the disallowed goal. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because mm -hmm. also Bennett's involved. Uh, Vasilevsky's pad, I could see slide off the push. I was okay with the call. Was there enough force for you? I had to watch it a couple of times, though. Um, my my immediate reaction was, man, I can't believe they called that back. Um, but you know, then I you know I watched the, the Vegas series after that. The the scrums in front of the net now, Kipper are, are so magnified. I mean, guys are going in hard with sticks. So my feeling was after I watched it again, that, uh, Vasilevsky is probably one of the strongest goaltenders, lower base like tree trunks down there and he's able to hold the line maybe better than any other goalie. If you know what I mean, he can yes. do the splits and somehow he's able to keep his pads north of the goal line. So when that happened, I had to look at it again and go, okay, but that, that was a, that was a, that was a tough one. I think during the regular season that gets kind of pushed across and doesn't get called. But I think with, uh, with how severe the jamming is that, uh, that as I saw it more and more, I, I didn't mind the call. I, I, I thought it was okay. I thought it could have gone either way personally, but at the end of the day, his pad was pushed in. Uh, and the the fact that the puck went in because of that is uh, is goaltender interference. But we're going to see lots of that, Kipper. They're, yeah. not, they're not stopping around that crease, man. They they are going. Everybody's stick is in there. There was a couple of shots where I thought I saw six or seven guys inside the crease. Like that's crazy. That is un that, that's unbelievable. You see, imagine how how easily I get pushed back to goal line <laughs> and into the net. Well, I I wouldn't stand a chance. You know. Oh, I, you'd be in the upper levels. <laughs> I'd be on top of the net, hanging in there, trying to. Swat away down below. Panger, the other thing that stood out for me in this early game one is just the star attraction in terms of watching like two heavyweights go at it. Barkov and Huberto and then uh, Braden Point and Kucherov. And they didn't disappoint. They, they showed up. All four of those guys showed up offensively. All of them gave their teams an opportunity to win. But the one that stands out is Kucherov at the at the off for seven months, and people believing that uh, maybe it'll might take him a while to get going. But I think me and you, we've been around talented guys over our careers to know that if you have that talent, you just have that talent, and on any given day, if that talent decides to show up like that, you can have results that Kucherov had. It, it does tell me that he's been skating an awful lot. And, and, you know, with the taxi squads being with your team too, Kipper, you know, keep in mind, it's a, it's a little bit different. Like during the course of the year, I've gone over the blues practice in a rink called Centene and it's, it, they've got the main blues rink and, and you go across a quarter by the Zamboni and you've got a rink where Lindenwood university plays in front of it's, it's So they've got, actually they've got four different ice surfaces, but those two there, I've watched the I've watched the seven, eight, nine taxi squad players go through practices and run drills that you wouldn't normally get during the regular season. You know, he might maybe Kucherov was out with a, an assistant coach. They're doing some drills, but there's no there's no feeling of handling pucks around the boards. There's no firm passes for one timers from NHL players. I think now this year more than ever, an injured player like Stamkos and like Kucherov, because I saw it with Vladdy Tarasenko here and players that were you know, a long-term IR, and they jump in, and it's like, wow, they look pretty darn good. And so 
you know, I, I'm just saying maybe it doesn't happen, you know, two years ago when you don't have a taxi squad traveling with you the whole time. But this year has been beneficial for John Cooper and their coaching staff. They're able to keep an eye on him. He's able to get the tempo going. He looked like a guy to me that's played a lot of hockey. Yeah. He, you know, I mean, I think people are exaggerating. Like it, it's, I mean, it sounds like he just got off the hospital bed with a hip surgery and he's still got the, uh, you know, the incisions in there and he just started playing. Well, there's not a chance in the world that he looked, and he was involved in a couple of scrums. He had some takedowns. So I don't know how severe the hip surgeries or what kind of procedure they did. Uh, but I will say that, you know, that, you know, he, he looked darn good. And his timing was good. And so was Stamco's timing pretty good as well. The biggest takeaway for me and the message sent to the Florida Panthers from Tampa Bay is, you know, we're not relinquishing anything just yet. And the other thing is don't mess with our power play goes to Sam Bennett's penalty. Yeah. And then yep. watching Kucherov, that is the best power play in the world by far. When you've got point in a bumper position, you got Kucherov on the half wall, Hedman, and then Stamkos with the one-timer. I, I don't care who you have in front of the net at that point. That was a clear message. Don't mess. You want to take stupid penalties? We'll bury you. Absolutely. There's no question that discipline's you know, in those situations, you can kill off the ones that are necessary penalties on Kipper. You, you, teams always seem to do that. And, but, but you just can't freely go over to the box because it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of notes with, with Colorado. I mean, Colorado's power play against the blues is 39 and a half percent. Like you want to, yeah. you want to fool around with that. You want to, do you, you want to play with that and toy with that? You're going to, you're going to burn yourself. And that's, that's exactly the case. The setups that Tampa Bay have are extraordinary. I mean, you got a, a lefty on the right, you got a righty on the left, you've got a distributor in the middle of the ice, you got Kalorn in front of the net, you got Braden Point in the high slot. That's, I mean, there's so many variations, Kipper. From a goaltender's point of view, you're picking your poison. And the minute you cheat on one side and you overplay one, it's going to go to the other one. For example, uh, the fake shot by Kucherov to Point in the middle as a right hand shot. That was absolutely brilliant. Right. Brilliant. Because Bobrovsky's got to respect the one timer. Now he bites on it a little bit. Is there anybody? Now he that bites. Is there anybody that can disguise it better than Kucherov? Like the, no, the threat of the shot. And that's what makes it so great. Okay, one, one more note on, on this series before we move on. Goalie Bob Bobrovsky getting the start in game one. Why wouldn't you? He makes $10 million. He's supposed to start. He's supposed to be there. But you can't mm -hmm. give up five. And I don't care how many great saves you make. Can't give up five at home. And the save that they needed the most was the breakaway on, on point. You didn't get it. Mm -hmm. This is this the one psyche that Florida Panger, I've, I've sat on benches. I've been with yeah. team, uh, team meals. We know if you don't get the goaltending that you have a ton of confidence, it's the only concern you have. I mean, it's late in the game. It's a breakaway. It, you know, big time goalies make big time plays. On the other side, big-time players make, you know, did what uh, Braden Point did. Um, you know, Drieger's had a, a great year for them. They, they've had this issue coming into it. Who's going to be the starting goaltender? Um, you know, Bobrovsky did knock them off, but that was a couple of years ago, and there was a different team with, with Columbus. The way, that they, the way that they played so tight as a five-man unit and the way they defended, and they frustrated Tampa. And I think Tampa will just overlook the situation. We'll never do it again. But, but I do believe that... You can, I don't know, there's something about Bobrovsky that, that um, he's susceptible to a couple of different plays. 
And when that happens and you can get him moving or you can get him over challenging, you know, he's fundamentally, he, you know, I think you can expose him. And so I think that's going to be the most interesting decision that they have there in Florida because you can't squander this chance just based on contracts. I think this isn't the time for that. Everybody's no. gone through a lot with COVID. Every, they've dealt through injuries. They've dealt through sickness. They've dealt through whatever. And, and now it's whoever gives them the best chance to win is what you have to do. And if you're Bobrovsky, you got to check your ego at the door and say that it's, it's fine with me because you're a team player. And, and just because you make $10 million doesn't anoint you the number one spot. The, the, the best player should be given that opportunity right now. And I'm not sure that he's that guy for the Florida Panthers. Drieger had some health issues coming down the stretch here. Yeah. And, and then there's Spencer Knight. Uh, and you certainly that's, don't that's want to be that ask, desperate. That, that, yeah. that shows a little bit of uh, uh, being desperate this early. But if, if you think Drieger can go and he can give you an honest effort mm -hmm. here, you've got to be contemplating already maybe making a switch because he, he can't, can't take a chance of this guy giving up four or five in game two. And, and, you know, that, that's one thing. And the other part is you got you got to definitely tighten things up. I mean, a stretch pass through the middle that late in a game yeah. is a heck of a pass, you know, but you can't, you can't give up those kinds of opportunities. So you got to stay out of the box. You're probably going to be without, I don't know if they'd be without Bennett. I'm, there's been no news on that at this point, right? Kipper. I know he's having no. a hearing today, uh, having the hearing. I'm just going to anticipate because he wasn't given a five in a game that he's going to get at least one game. Yeah, based on what happened. So that's one physical force out and a guy that's played great for them. But uh, they, they just have to tighten it up. For me, defensively, if they stay with Bobrovsky, this will be that one chance. But then yeah. you look at it and you're going to throw Drieger into a game in, in Tampa Bay. That's that's a tough environment to too because he's never played in this, uh, this situation as well. Okay, we got to keep it moving here, Panger, because I know you got to get ready for game one, Colorado and St. Louis. That's where I'm going to go right now. And I guess on paper, it doesn't look that favorable to St. Louis. Uh, no, it, when you, it, it favors when, Colorado big when, time. When, and you talk about uh, the power play, when you talk about uh, production from a point-of-game guy in, in uh, McCarr, let alone the firepower, the one, one of the best lines in hockey, it doesn't, doesn't look like it matches up well, but they, they're only a couple years removed from a lot of the guys still being a big part of that Stanley Cup run that they had in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And it's led by Ryan O'Reilly. So how much noise was made, Panger, with the quotes that we're going to have some fun and we're going to beat them? Is that is that a Messier guarantee? <laughs> well, Messier was a little bit different because you're late in that series. But uh, I think this shows – I think this shows a great deal of confidence. Kipper, I'll, I'll – I'll go back to when Nick, uh, when uh, when Chief took over, when Craig Berube took over from Mike Yo. Every time we talk about something grand about another team, because they were struggling at that time, Chief would kind of slow us down and say, "Hey, we're a good team too. We're a good team," you know. And he kind of he kind of hits you right in the forehead with, "Hey, we're a good team too. Right here, we're a good team." And, and uh, it's almost like when Vijay Singh was a terrible putter. All of a sudden, he came back and said, I'm the greatest putter in the world. I'm the greatest putter in the world. Well, I'll take it a step further. Like, Ryan O'Reilly is representing what the Blues have done the last – they're 8-3-3. Three, three. They're the hottest team in the West going into this. They've gone on a great roll. I asked him yesterday, Ryan O'Reilly, all the numbers are overwhelming. Um, shots on net, uh, attempts against St. Louis, slot shots. 
uh, rush chances against, cycle chances, uh, controlled entries. It, you know, everything on paper here, you know, leans heavily towards the, uh, except for five on five play, which benefited St. Louis, but everything. I said, is this the sample that we're using for this one? Or is it the last 10 games? And he just said that we're, we're a much different team right now. And we've got, even without David Perron starting like, you know, this game tonight, at least because he's on COVID protocol list, um, even without David Perron, who's been their leader in almost every category, the Blues feel pretty, pretty confident. Um, but this is going to be a this is going to be a heck of a battle, Kipper, because uh, the Colorado Avalanche. If I'm a goaltender, they scare the daylights out of me. They oh, are man. that that they are entries into the zone. What they do is speed. How they go east west. How they go dot to dot. Uh, how they freeze you. I, I think they they cause uncertainty and doubt. And so that's where you go back to Binnington and the defending part of the game. Can they keep Colorado on the outside? Can they slow down their speed entering the zone? That's a tough task right there. Is it, is it uh, do we know for sure if we're dealing with a, 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 a positive, uh, a, de- a definitive positive test for Perron or is there could have been yeah. uh, a, a false, false positive? Yeah, false positive? no. Well, you know, they thought that um, just it was Zach San, Sanford had a, a false positive as well. Um, they were they were. You know, they thought for sure, or it was Jake Wallman, actually. And they thought for sure, because he'd, he'd already had COVID. He'd already had his uh, vaccinations. And so they were just shocked that it was a, a positive. Um, so the feeling is, I, from what I understand, going into game one, that this absolutely will be a player that won't be playing. So, you know, you've got to go now through the protocol of getting negative tests within the 24 hours. Uh, but it doesn't appear as if he is going to be a player in game number one. I don't know about game number two or game number three. But uh, certainly for game number one, David Perron won't be there. And where's Tarasenko in all of this? We know. I think Tarasenko's going to play. Uh, four goals in what, 24 yeah. games? Yeah, not, not been, obviously not been the same impactful player. Um, you know, hadn't played for, a, it's been a couple of years really that he's been out of it. So uh, I thought he put together four or five really good games, Kipper, like re- really good games, uh, went to the front of the net. Uh, got in on the forecheck, all the little things that you asked for. But there was a lot of times where he just didn't seem to have that, that same maybe confidence to shoot the puck or confidence to get closer to the net. And I think that's what, uh, the, you know, that's what the coaching staff will, will, will basically, you know, they'll, they'll really send that message to them. You got to get closer to the net. You're not going to score from, from 45 feet here in, in the playoffs against Grubauer. That's had a great year. Before I get to Bennington, just a little, uh, get your thoughts on the blue line here. Pareko again, Mm-hmm. battling off the ice and then he comes back has he seen have you seen any type of level that we saw when they won the Stanley Cup here uh in mm-hmm. that stretch yeah Kipper I've, I've seen I've seen some of it and it's it's coming on lately and uh he probably shouldn't have played a lot of the portions of the of the beginning of the year Kipper it, it um he tried valiantly he wanted to play but it just it was it was hurting the team and it was hurting him his his you know his confidence um but he looks good now. I mean, he looks like the guy that is breaking up plays in his own zone. He looks like he's getting up the ice. So he's, uh, there was a time where he went 110 minutes without taking a slap shot. So we know that he's better that way because he's taking slap shots now and he's, and he's getting chances. So um, you can't compare that 19 season kipper because he was with Jay Bowmeister. Yeah. And, you know, between them, they had, what, about 20 feet of reach. And, and, and any time <laughs> the top team of the other, even the Marshan line in the Stanley Cup final, they didn't do anything five on five. Not a thing. Like, 
that's how good they were. So is he at yeah. that level? I don't think so because Jay Bolmeister was that good too. Uh, but I think he's 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 close to being where he was. He's it's, close. It's hard though to match up against Gerard, Taves, Makar, Graves. I, th- those guys can put some some offense, some points on the board. You know, who scares me. That, I mean, everybody knows that Kale McCarr scares you, but it's the little things that he does, Kipper. It's, uh, you know, from a goaltender's point of view, when you're trying to find pucks with all the traffic and the congestion in front and the willingness now to go to the front of the net, you know, regular season, guys might not want to go there as much as they will now. Um, he gets that puck through the net. He always finds that scene that gets it through. And so the other part is he's so good at entering the zone, going on the strong side cycle, taking a drop pass, and then faking the goalie out, going around the net, and then causing a, just a ton of confusion yeah. there. So there's a that's that it's a it's a terrific unit. I mean, let's face it, they're uh, they, they 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 hand it to you, and, and it's and it's scary. One one thought on 2019, you mentioned uh, the great run, Bennington, of yeah. course was an incredible story. Yeah. But when there's zero expectations and nothing but upside as a goaltender, former goaltender, you, you can know that when there's everything to gain and nothing to lose, uh, there's, there's a sense of calmness in you now with the expectations and managing success, does that put a ton of pressure on Bennington now to be a, a difference maker here and, and beat the best team in the regular season? Yeah, I th- and I think he wants to erase what happened against Vancouver last year in the bubble. You know, the, the team just wasn't the same when they came out of COVID. And they had a great regular season, number one team in the West. He had a great season. He had 30 wins. But they, they were just a shell of themselves in, uh, in Edmonton. And, you know, now you've got this year where there's been some ups and downs. It's a change. There's no Petrangelo. There's no Bo Meester. You've had Krug. Uh, Falk's played great, but you've had injury to Pareko. It has been the same defending team as well, a kipper, not even close. Yeah. So yeah. he faces a lot of high da- danger chances. Um, the amazing thing about Bennington is he's so good directly in front of the, in the slot, like all those little plays that so many goaltenders aren't good at. He's great at that. Um, I think that he, uh, I, th- I think that he's got some, something bullish about him. Um, but yes, is there pressure on him? Absolutely. But this guy, every time you throw that, something at him, he just comes yeah. back with something else. Like, hey, we're coming. When he said that, he said, we're coming. It was my interview after the game on, on Valley Sports, Kipper. And I, he played brilliantly. He stopped 50 shots against Vegas. They needed that effort. I think it was, I think Ryan O'Reilly was outstanding, but he really set the tone. And, and he just stops. I asked him a question and all he said was, we're coming. <laughs> and they went eight, three and three from that point on. And, and he's been one of the best goaltenders in the last 15 games in, in the entire league, if you look at stats and numbers. And so, but uh, this one will be a, a, a big test because they are, I think they are, it's David versus Goliath. And I think he likes that. He's always had that chip on his shoulder. So it's going to be, it'll be fun to watch and we're going to enjoy your coverage as well. All right, Panger, pick a series, man. Something that we've already seen uh, under the, uh, in the books, uh, whether it's uh, Washington, Boston, uh, uh, Vegas, Minnesota. Where, where do you want to go next? Because so many thoughts on, on each and every one we've seen so far. I think Vegas and, and Minnesota, Kipper. You know, I, I think that uh, it's fresh. Okay. You know, Washington, Boston, that's not fresh. Tampa Bay, and, and we've already covered that. That is fresh and that is much watch TV. And uh, that's great. But, but on, the, on the West, 
Minnesota's played them so great all year long. There's some, it's funny. The St. Louis Blues dominate Minnesota. You, you know, the, the Colorado Avalanche have had a great time against St. Louis. Uh, Vegas and St. Louis, Vegas has had the edge, but there's been a lot of one goal games there. Minnesota and Vegas, they just go in there and they just, they just play hard. And for the folks out there that haven't seen Minnesota play, this is a different Minnesota Wild team. Um, not the same Minnesota Wild team. They, they come at you be, between Kirill the Thrill, between the big line of Greenway, who's 246 pounds. Uh, I, I like the way they play. And I thought that was a punch-me-in-the-mouth kind of game last night, too. And it, it, it had some drama to it. And Erickson X scoring that goal in overtime, Marc-Andre Fleury standing on his head and spinning that wooden nickels. It was fantastic. So that, that for me is the series that, that I want to dig into as well. It's remarkable that Talbot can go toe to toe with Marc Andre Fleury. He was the flower. 20 stops in the first period. And then you start planting the seed of doubt. And when this thing's all said and done, Panger, we may not see the best team advancing in the second round here. That's got to be a scary thought for Vegas. Mm -hmm. Well, pressure's on, but pressure's on them. I mean, they played down the stretch with, uh, you know, 5D and 10 forwards at some points because of cap issues. They, they, they didn't empty the tank, but, and, and they're without Pacioretty still at this point. But they play hard hockey. They play a great system. They play five men. They're in your face. They're coming at you in waves. Uh, they don't take nights off that team. So, you know, now they're into one. And now a little adversity hits. But I, I think that's the team that they built, Kipper. I, I think they built a team. When the Blues won in 2019, every series started. And, and all, all Chief would say was, it's going to be a seven-game series. That's what it's going to be. So in game one, we better, we better get every hit in there. Game two, we better get every hit in there. By the time we get to four, five, six, and seven, hopefully they're more worn out than we are and we're initiating things. I think that's the way Vegas is thinking right now. So I don't think there's any panic there, but I do believe there's pressure there. I mean, because of ownership, because of how they quickly made some changes with certain players and added some players, signed Alex Petrangelo, that uh, there's, we're not, don't kid yourself. There's a lot of pressure there in Vegas on these players, but I, I believe they built a team that can handle that pressure. We just talked a little bit about uh, Florida Panthers possibly making a goaltender change as early as game two. I look at Flurry right now, and I know Robin Leonard's there, and just judging on, on watching the pattern since the moment he arrived mm-hmm. uh, at the trade deadline last season, I would not be shocked at all to see. DeBoer go to uh, Robin Lehner in, in game two. Don't say it, Kipper. I'm telling you. No. I, I, no. I'm not just. A chance. I, you, I, okay. I, Tell me why. Well, well, number one, because your goaltender kept you in that game. I, I, valid point. And number two, number two is since Robin Lehner came back from injury, um, he's not been very good. So unless he's getting his game going somewhere in practice where they're, they're finding something with his game, because you can do that. You know that, Kipper. You've been in practices where you got a number one guy. Let's, let's go back in time there when you had, you had heels and you had, and you had Richter. And there were probably moments during that season where you knew that Mike Richter just didn't have it because you went down the wing and fired it in, but then you couldn't score on heels. So there's a, there's a, a change that people can feel they're not feeling that right now based on how Robin Lander played late in the year. And I don't, I don't doubt that they'll do it at some point, but not, not for game number two. I, every reason you're giving me, I agree, but I just 
think after everything I've witnessed in the last little while between the, the dilemma between who's starting and who's my number one goalie and how much faith that they've had in Robin Leonard in the past, I just think that Peter DeBoer might be in a position right now where if he wants Robin Leonard to remain engaged, then he, he might think that he needs to put him in as early as game two and he's got total faith that he can get the job done. This is just a gut feeling. I, I, every I, reason, every reason you're telling me with, wholeheartedly. If it was me, no questions asked. Flowers in game two. I've just been watching the way this thing's been operated the last little while, and I have no doubt that uh, he'd like to say we got two number one goalies and we're going we're gonna to get them both in early. Yeah, that, that, that would be a call that, you know, I mean, Pete DeBoer would have, he's made hard calls before. Yeah, I mean, he's made hard calls before. I, I'm going back to New Jersey when, you know, they were trying to kind of end uh, Marty Brodeur's, you know, great career and trying to push him. Okay, let's retire because we got Corey Schneider here, and uh, and and so you know, I'm he's he's done it before and he's made hard decisions. I just think right now that, I mean, too many guys went back and patted Mark Andre Fleury on the pads and yeah, said thank. You. I know, <laughs> thank you, Flower. You can't do it just yet. Okay. So, yeah. From, from great gold. I know we got to get you out of here soon. Sorry if I'm rushing you, but I, I want to squeeze everything I can out of Panger uh, for the next little while here before we let him go to get ready for Colorado uh, and uh, St. Louis. In terms of a great goaltending tablet, tablet and, and uh, Marc-Andre mm-hmm. Fleury to the Pittsburgh Penguins situation where Tristan Jari gives up everything on the high glove and he... Finished strong. There's no reason to believe that he couldn't get the job done. But DeSmith is still hurt and dealing with an injury. And you're just wondering, again, the faith that they have in Tristan Jari after watching so many of the goals in the same spot. Yeah, the, the, the Kyle Palmieri first one that was on end that beat him was a, I mean, was really a phenomenal goal. Um, you know, then there, was a, then there was a little short side one, can't stand those goals where goalies go, down on a reverse VH instead of just staying square to the puck carrier. I think now more than ever, um, you, you, you have to stress to your goaltender, your job is only the puck. Stay as square and patient to the puck as possible. Let everybody else do their job. Trust that everybody else is going to take away the back door. We've gone through this glove side high when Matt Murray was a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, I, I don't know how many nights you and I sat together on Wednesday night hockey, uh, yeah. Kipper and, you know, you, you, you look at it and you go, okay, right-hand shot, high glove, right-hand shot, high glove, right-hand shot, high glove. I've got data right here sitting in front of me on, you know, the Western Conference goaltenders on, you know, where, where they give up goals. It's no secret. You can just find 30 clips and you can say, well, that's where they, that's where they give up goals. So you're just going to keep hammering away and hammering away and hammering away until you end up scoring. Well, now what they've done is they've caused, they've caused analysts, they've caused fans they cause people to talk about high glove. And that's, that's what you don't want to have happen. Because now the goalie's going to make an adjustment with his glove. He might cheat a little bit on that side. You know, and now things get changed around. Your balance, your, your, your positioning's off a little bit. And then they beat you low stick. So, um, you know, so, some guys just aren't blessed with great gloves, Kipper. <laughs> that's, yeah. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury's blessed with a great glove. Um, not everybody is. Um, but when you start pecking away and put a... a, a some doubt into it because he did make some good saves in that net. He did. He he battled back with some good saves. 
but but obviously he's got to do a better job against the snipers and Kyle Palmer is a righty. The guys that the guys that'll go in that area, I think you got to be a little bit more aggressive against them and and less passiveness, less less blue paint under your under your skates to to make sure you take away any advantage you can against guys like that that like to go there. Want to keep it in the goaltending theme here because game one, Boston and Washington, Vanacek disappears, I think, 15 minutes mm-hmm. in off a of Jake DeBrusque shot that kind of looked routine. Uh, Panger, I'm watching the game on Hockey Night in Canada. Then Kelly Rudy came on and really kind of gave it to Vanacek uh, and just basically said you need to be a better pro in terms of being in Stretching. a situation where yeah. you, you get hurt on a play like that. Now, I'm not in the goaltending fraternity. You can speak of this. I'll let Kelly speak of it. But your thoughts on, on watching this guy get hurt on that particular play and whether or not, you know, you can, you can judge him off of this injury. Yeah, well, he's had a heck of a year. But no, number one on, on the particular playoff, the faceoff, he just didn't find the puck right away. And that's why there was such a delay in where he was on the left side of his net. Um, if you're looking at the net on the right side, but he was, he was clearly, he was clearly not able to locate where that puck was Kipper. So he was stuck on something. And I mean, it could have been a stick blade. It could have been a skate that he couldn't find the puck. And then it goes back to the right to, to, to Jake. And now he's got a severe push, huh? Like now he's, he, yeah. he's way too far over on his left. That push is a massive push um, to get back over to your right. And as soon as it happened, I said, he hurt something. Like, he popped a hamstring or he popped a groin. And in going back, like Kelly, I, I absolutely have one. I, I have such respect for Kelly. And Kelly was a very flexible guy. You know, I mean, I don't ever remember Kelly Rudy. I, maybe I'm wrong, but he didn't get injured very often or he didn't have a groin pull very often. I stretched my ass off getting ready for games, Kipper. But I couldn't do the splits. Okay, me, this is me personally. Being, I, I was short movements, short shuffles. If I had to stretch it out, that's a long stretch for me. But I could not do the splits. And you know, one game midway through one of my games, I, I went. I'm going to bring back a, a name from the past, Borea Salmi, and and he kind of went backhand, forehand, and I bit on the backhand, and my skates got caught on the forehand. I ripped I ripped my hamstring right off the butt of my. Like the, it was a, like it was a terrible injury. I was in, I was in traction for a day and a half. Like I, it was a bad injury. Now, so in going back to, Vancheck, I, I, I was stretched out. You know, I'd never hurt a groin hey, before, or never just, pulled a, a hamstring. It was just one of those things. So shit happens. Hey, I mean, I, at, at the end of the day, you guys are asked to do incredible things with your body. Yeah, and some sometimes it's a very unfortunate thing. But I think the start of it was he couldn't find the puck. And then he had to make a really a, too massive of a move to compensate and to react so late. And, and that, that's a shame because he has had a heck of a year. And when you're in your first year and you're, you might be the guy that rides it the whole way. And, and now that's out. So that's, that's a tough one for him. It's the new world of the NHL too. You can have a contending team that you believe that can win a Stanley cup and you find yourself relying on, a soon-to-be 40-year-old goaltender who's played mm-hmm. all but four games this season in Craig Anderson, and good on him for coming in and plugging the hole, but that's a big ask right now. Huge. That's a huge ask. I mean, the fact that he hasn't... I mean, he's been with the taxi squad. 
you know, and, and again, we'll go back to the, the injury that we're talking about with Kucherov or Tarasenko or anybody else that's been out for an extended period of time. The fortunate part is these guys are running regular practices side by side in whatever practice rink it's before or it's after. And they're getting reps anyway. So it's not like he hasn't been facing pucks. So, and, and, and you know, maybe clarity, mental freshness, you know, might be in the benefit Craig Anderson and something to prove, you know, one last chance at the dance. I remember seeing him after game seven when the Ottawa Senators lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh and just how devastated he was thinking that's probably his last chance. You never know. Maybe Craig Anderson puts on a little bit of a show here and, and you know, and, and can do it for a little bit of time. Panger, we squeezed in so much, buddy. We've got, uh, we've got three games tonight, including yours. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to give us a little bit of uh, some thought? Little, uh, little Panger crystal ball here. Boston Capitals, you see 1-1, you see 2-0. 1-1 uh, one, one there. 1-1 one, one there, I, okay. I think that's going to be a seven-game series anyway. So, you know, I, I, I do. I, just, I think it's going to just be a... Uh, hopefully the guys that tip in pucks know that they tip them in. I, I don't know about you, but I, I could see from a, a, from a long distance that Hovech could never touch that puck. And yeah. then I could see from a long distance that Nick Dowd did deflect that shot from, from, uh, from, from them. But that's the, the world we're living in as broadcasters where not everybody's there on site. Uh, but some funny bounces there and uh, bounce back for Boston. Um, I, I like that. There's a line I'm looking forward to in the, in the Colorado-St. Uh, Louis series because we know what Colorado has, and it looks like Brandon Sod's healthy, ready to go. Yeah. McKinnon's missed four of the last five. He's ready to go. So we all, we all know about that top line. Uh, but uh, Craig Berube is likely going to put Schwartz, O'Reilly, and Braden Shen on his kind of top line, his heavy line with, with David Prawn uh, not being able to go or unlikely to go because of COVID. So I, I'll be interested to see that. And uh, Vladi Tarasenko's return to the lineup after being out again for an extended period of time. So uh, we assume that if St. Louis is going to do what Ryan O'Reilly said, they, they should win game one. Got to win game one. I think game two is the hardest one in altitude. I think we saw that during the regular season. The teams that, especially when they went on back-to-back, they go into altitude. Uh, the Blues got there a couple of days early to, to adjust, and that's beneficial. Um, but I think it's the second game that's the hardest. So that's why right. I... Win the first Colorado, one. Yeah, win the first one, split the series, and, and then uh, go forward. I, 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 I mean, I know that I cover the Blues on a regular basis, and there's been some times during the season where, you know, quite frankly, you, you look at the team and they just weren't on the same page. But I, I will say that they've, they've checked their egos at the door. They played hard after they got smoked by Vegas 6-1 to one on home ice. Uh, it was an embarrassing moment for them, and from that time, I think they – They've come together as a team in a nice way. So I think they're going to give Colorado a battle. They got, what do they got, Kipper? 15, 16 guys on the Blues roster that have won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and that's what deep. Colorado, Colorado's got Sod. They've got Grubauer, but he didn't play very much in that, in that Washington win. And they got Burakowski. So uh, Colorado wants what St. Louis players have, and that's what will make it a good battle. Does Carolina and Nashville kind of mirror Colorado in St. Louis where yeah, there's, not, there's not real reasons why you would pick Nashville? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's for sure they're going to be a favorite. But again, Nashville and their core players have gone through some pretty big playoff games as well. You know, you can't underestimate some of those. Those core players have been through some wars too. They went to a Stanley Cup final. They've been to conference finals. So, uh, you know, now they've got another chance at it where there was points of the year where I never thought that Nashville was going to get in there. So I actually don't underestimate Nashville, but I do believe that the way that Carolina plays, their speed, their transition, uh, they're a heavier team than people think. They're not light on their skates. They're, they're, they're big and they're heavy too. 
and they're skilled. So, I mean, I like Carolina in that series. National broadcaster, one of the best, Darren Pang, filling in for Doug McLean. What a fantastic job. Man, oh, man, did we just cover a lot. Hey, <laughs> Panger? Good being with you, Kipper. Oh, my God, that was just fantastic. You're such a pro. I don't get that with other people that I work on the show. <laughs> like like Mac? Like, well, I don't want to mention any names. Yeah. Probably yeah. listening right now, yeah. you know, on his well. Wi-Fi in his RV. Yeah, well, right. hopefully it's hopefully they're not like the Griswolds right now, you know, going oh, through I a tough city looks, and having a I think flat tire or something. It'll it'll look a lot like the Griswolds for sure. Is, is, is it is it is his SUV? Is it uh, is it green? Lime green? His RV? Yeah, is it? Uh, yeah, it, it 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 it'll get that way because he he's too cheap to wash it probably in huh. like four or five days. Wow, Eastern Canadians, huh? Yes, that's why you know that's why. Listen, Probably. pal. Enjoy the enjoy the start of your series, but we're <laughs> gonna, we're going to check in with you, all right? Periodically sounds, here. Sounds good, Kipper. You take okay. care of yourself. Thanks, for Darren Pang. Everybody, awesome job, Jordan. That was a fast hour. Yeah, it was great. Love having Darren on. Yeah, he's so good. Thanks, at, boys. Uh, what he does. Thanks, all guys. right, Panger. You guys be good, okay? See okay. All yeah, right. For all Bye -bye. of you watching, like I said uh, at the top, first time watcher, subscribe here. We'll let you know what's happening throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Still much more to cover as early as Wednesday. We'll see if we can track down perhaps Brian Lawton, another familiar face and a great national commentator. Yeah, that one is for you, Doug McLean. I know you're going to be listening to this show. Love getting these guys on. All right, everybody. Enjoy Monday night's action. And we'll see you Wednesday on The Real Kipper at Noon Show. Thanks for watching, everybody.